Prepare yourself for Earthling Entertainment with your hosts, Joe and Ryan. Hello and welcome to another episode of Earthling Entertainment with Joe and Ryan. I'm Joe. I'm Ryan. Yay! So, Ryan, you had a good weekend. It was your birthday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the big 3-6 Mafia. Yes, well, happy birthday to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was a good one. Had the boys, you know, my meeting my kids. <laughs> right but, on, right on. Not oh, like yeah. your gang members. Oh, yeah. It's no, my boys. Oh, uh, yeah, that's my boys. Yeah, my, my, my children. I but like, no, I had a great time. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, uh, today's show, we're just going to be shuffling around the segments a little bit. We're trying a different order, see if it helps out with uh, the flow of things. So we're doing spooky stuff to start with. Then we are going to jump into uh, a, another game, except this time Ryan is going to be administering the game and I'm going to be playing. And I was going to call it the album game, but then I've been informed that it is not an album game. No, uh, it album because it's more than that. So uh, we are going to go with Music Quest. Music quest. Because it has to do with uh, music in entertainment in all aspects. So, Yeah, so that should be fun. After that, we have a spoiler talk on the new Hulu 20th Century Studios film, No One Will Save You. Uh, it's a. I really liked it. Not going to get too much into that until the segment, but it is about gray aliens, which not too many films have a straight-up gray alien in them, so I respect that. After that, we are doing our headlines, followed by our Ahsoka Episode 7 review, slash talk. We mm-hmm. should just say talk. Yo. Yeah. I'm ready for that because, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot happened. <laughs> but at the true. same time, I wanted more. Like, like I'm tired of these, like, like, ugh. Ah, fair enough. Well, yeah. you know, it's one episode left, so we'll talk about that one. And uh, Really? So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's eight episodes. Uh, so that is our show today. If you love Star Wars, wait to the end for the Ahsoka talk. Before that, we're getting into spooky stuff right off the bat. I like getting into spooky stuff. Earthling Entertainment. You can always count on us to be spooky. Yeah. I couldn't think of something else. I was, I was, I was, I was hoping it would come to me by the end of the sentence. Didn't I, happen. It didn't happen. Sometimes but... it does. That was not a winner. It's okay, Joe. They it's can't okay. all be gold, Ryan. <laughs> no, not all of them. All right, go ahead. Spooky stuff. All right, let's begin the Michigan Triangle. Right. Uh, you were talking about this a little last week. I said we would cover it this week. All right, this is a big one, everybody, so uh, buckle up. All right. The Lake Michigan Triangle, or simply the Michigan Triangle, is an area of Lake Michigan where a number of disappearances, shipwrecks, and plane crashes have occurred under unexplained circumstances. Unidentified flying objects and unidentified submerged objects have also allegedly been spotted in the area. The triangle stretches from Ludington to Manitowoc, down to Benton Harbor, and back to Ludington. Uh, First story. The history of abnormal incidents in the Michigan Triangle can be traced to the late 17th century. It was a time when the world uh, was exploring new ways and routes for expanding trade. Le Griffin, one of the largest sailing vessels at its time, set out 
on its maiden voyage in 1679 to find a northwest passage to China and Japan. Oh, yeah, totally. All went well until the ship reached the Michigan Triangle, never to come back. Although it's not the only ship that might have been submerged, the horrifying part is that no wreckage of the ship nor traces of the crew have been found to date. All right, so yeah, that one is obviously creepy. The whole point is this is kind of like the Bermuda Triangle. There's a bunch of stories. So, like, I just don't know, man. Continue. I mean, they are huge. The lakes are enormous. Like, when you, you know, we, we grow up in Michigan, so we're like, it's like we're used to it, but it's like, it's so much fresh water. It, it's it's like looking at an ocean. You can't see the other side. Oh, yeah. If it was salt water, I think it would just be called a sea. I think it would be like the Michigan Sea. Explain that, flat earthers. All right, anyways. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't know. All right, Story two. <laughs> In 1883, the crew of the wooden tugboat <laughs> named... I don't know. Wh- why are tugboats funny to me? Wooden I mean, tugboat, they're, they're basically tow trucks. They're, right, they're right. tugboats. Yeah. Named Mary McLean that worked out of Chicago Harbor had a strange story to tell. They claimed to have witnessed mighty blocks of ice falling from the sky while on the lake for a whole 30 minutes. It did not stop and was so powerful that it caused dents in the tug's wooden surface. The crew managed to save a large chunk of ice in its uh, galley icebox and recounted the horrific ordeal in the harbor. Interesting. Okay, well, see, anyone who lives near these Great Lakes is going to let know. Like, if you're, if you're from Michigan, if you're from Buffalo, New York, if you're from Wisconsin, weather's really bad. So you're telling me hail the size of bricks? I'm thinking, ah, yeah. That's right. That was Snowmageddon. What was the year? Yeah, I can't help but think the same thing. It's funny. Yeah, like once again, being from Michigan, the weather is insane and random. So it's like, I guess I could see where like for just an instant there, like, yeah, hail was insane for that moment. But I, yeah, man, see, I'm all for there's creepy stuff in like Michigan. And I, I, I only recently heard about the Michigan Triangle, but and the stories really do add up. But there's some weird things about Lake Michigan, even the Michigan Triangle aside. Do you know there is a rock with a carving of a, a mammoth? Uh, on the bottom of the water. Like, clearly, it, it would be, a, yeah, it's a geoglyph. Well, it's not geoglyph. What is it if it's underwater? It's a petroglyph, but underwater? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, the point is, there's also a stone hedge. Like, interesting. Yeah, like a stone hedge from England, like the same concept, the, you know, a hedge of stone. Huh. <laughs> For well, like, well, and it's all underwater. And I know this isn't paranormal, but I know that uh, they a bull shark was once found in, uh, like, southern part of lake michigan but that was obviously a long time ago before that whole river has been like dammed up by now i'm sure well hold on it could be paranormal maybe that bull shark has telekinesis and he floated across the land or teleportation powers who's to say sharks won't develop teleportation before humans well you know and when it comes to the bull shark they've already like you know they've already pulled this off so far so why not let's go to telekinesis and, and teleportation and, <laughs> i've seen deep like, blue sea freaking sharks with freaking telekinesis i know what happens when scientists mess with shark brains all right let me <laughs> let me move on because i got nothing else oh, to say. oh i'm sorry yeah michigan triangle yeah back. yes yeah quite yeah uh story three it is a known fact any kind of collision has two or more forces involved in it However, that's not the case (laughs) (laughs) in the the Michigan Triangle, apparently. At least that's what the Rosabelle incident reveals in 1921. A ship named Rosabella with 11 members on board vanished in the Michigan Triangle. 
Unlike other incidents, the remains of the ship were found floating in Lake Michigan. However, it raised many eyebrows when it was found the ship overturned due to a collision. An even more chilling fact is that there were no other ship accidents reported at the similar time and no other remains were found. Well, once again, this is easily solved. Michigan is a no-fault state and no one wants their insurance to go up. Oh, uh, dude, they took off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, shit, shit don't change. <laughs> that don't change. Or, clearly, there is giant brick walls that are just sentient that move around the water just to stop you. Because real life is a myth, and we are in a video game. And it happens to be Mario. I mean, maybe we have, like, some sirens. Like, it's so cold in the deep. How the fuck are we supposed to keep peace? And oh, just, they're just like, oh, that man, is such go. an obscure reference. <laughs> it's so cold oh, in the, the day. day. Yeah, Be- Beavis yeah. and Butthead covered that, and that was amazing. Yeah, but if you just Google it, anyways, it's yeah, so cold. Anyways. Is it called "It's So Cold in the D"? It it's, totally is. It's it totally a music is. video, and uh, from what I remember, it is just uh, like these three girls in in the hood singing "It's So Cold in the D," and that they cut girl to in very... the back is dancing to a different song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! But like, without disrespecting, it is amazing. Oh, it is no watch. All right, go ahead. All right. Okay. We have another story. There are so many stories. Next on the Michigan Triangle. The Michigan Triangle. Story four. I can't believe I never heard these. Story four. Another unexplained mystery about the Michigan Triangle is the disappearance of Captain George Donner, who was guiding the ship named O. M. McFarland. In 1937, the ship was on the way to Port Washington, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah good When place. the captain went to his cabin, leaving a message to the crew members to awake him when they were near the port. Yep, 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 yep. The crew followed the instruction and knocked on the captain's cabin, but received no response. Much to their surprise, the cabin was locked from the inside and they had to break the door. However, the captain was nowhere to be found and he vanished without any trace. The frightened crew revealed that the ship was in the Michigan Triangle when the chilling incident occurred. Oh yeah, and there was there was no. I think there were the portholes were like too small to get through. Like there was just no way, and he just disappeared without a trace. And be, you know what's really weird is it's just one guy, right? Like a disappearance of a ship or disappearance of a whole crew, which you've heard has happened obviously in weird mysteries, but just one guy. Mm, now, what if they have like a trap door? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you're captain of the ship, you're probably not going to tell your crew members I about feel it. Like, I feel like they did a pretty good... Re- I mean, the ship didn't disappear. I feel like they would have researched. They would have right, looked. Right, they would have seen that. They would have been like, ah, oh, guys, there's this rug here with this... Uh, this <laughs> Put this- the candle back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, never-ending references All right, over but here. Hold on. I want to go down this rabbit hole. Let's say there's okay. a trap door, Ryan. Okay. Okay, it escapes. Now, he's just in a lower deck, because, I mean, I don't know the schematics. I don't have the ship's blueprints in front of me. So let's just say, for argument's sake, he's now in a lower deck of this ship. Right. What next, and why did he do it? Maybe he just went mad. Maybe he just went crazy. People went crazy a lot back then. Oh, come on, man. Go down this rabbit hole. There has to be some bigger thing. It's only Lake Michigan, so it's not like you're, like, out at sea. So it's like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. I think this guy... His, his, he's changed his name, right? And he's been a ship captain for about 10 years. And then, actually, in real life, secret spy? No? You don't want to do that? The what Dread if he... Pirate Roberts? Like, oh, yeah, there you has go. To, has to pass on the, the mask? 
Well, I'm just saying maybe he is just hiding from something. Maybe he is an alien. How about that? He he just teleported out of there. I'm in a teleporting kind of like thing today. I want everything to be teleporting. Or yeah, I was gonna say maybe he was just freaking abducted. Just we, abdu- we can just go just straight that one up guy. abduction. Yeah, it's just I mean, that's a lot of work, right? Like the aliens are like, ah, uh, or is it less work? Maybe it's less one ship in the middle of the water. He was the only one sleeping, and a lot of people think that they can kind of take us in our sleep easier, I think. <laughs> because right. isn't it like a mental thing more than a physical thing? It's like more like they're they're taking your spirit. Well, but they took then there'd be a body. body. Right, yeah, I mean, they just took his spirit. Then we just I tried some... going down this rabbit hole. Maybe I don't we'd just know, be man. some dead guy sitting there. I don't know. I guess I, I guess I, I've reached the end of my rabbit hole because I don't I don't know. <laughs> You've reached the end of your hole, Ryan. I've reached the end of the hole. All right. It only went so far. All right. In light I of that, so sorry. all right. Uh, Story five, a deadly disaster again took place in the Michigan Triangle in 1950, but this time it was an aircraft. The Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 2501, with 55 passengers and three crew members, was on its way from New York to Minneapolis when the fatal event occurred. Just before the flight vanished from radar, the captain had requested to descend to the cruising altitude to 2500 due to extreme and unexpected turbulence. The permission could not be granted, and the flight continued at 3,500 feet over Lake Michigan. The flight never reached its destination, nor was the plane's wreckage found. The reason for the crash remains a mystery, and the only remains found were body fragments and light debris. See, the story I heard was that nothing was found. There is a monument uh, to those 50 passengers that, you know, they have there on the edge of Lake Michigan. And it's it's just how bad would you feel if you're the air traffic controller though? Like you're like now, guys, you gotta you gotta deal with that turbulence, and then they just disappear. You're like, I think that was me, guys. Yeah, well, the whole per- <laughs> yeah the whole permission thing seems odd. Well, I mean, you're over the lake. I can't imagine there's too many things that are going to be obstructing your flight path over the lake. I know planes are crisscrossing, but like you really can't go lower in altitude. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know either. I really thought that they had a little bit more freedom with that. I thought it was like, you know, it's not like there's planes going under planes, but maybe there are. I honestly don't know. Well, I, I think there are, but the point is, I mean, they're not going to crisscross that often. I feel like you could easily, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, that maybe was. Maybe the skies are more crowded than we think, and they're just uh, UFOs or other things or secret uh, government projects. There you go. You know, maybe it's just a whole bunch of government guys testing out jetpacks. So you got like 50 Iron Man dudes flying around, and they're like, oh, he's going to fly right through the swarm of our Iron Mans. Yeah, we got to say no. Well, that would that would definitely be some UAP stuff yeah activity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right you know what i mean like but like one of those jetpack guys didn't help the plane that's the real question oh my god they saw the plane they're the reason the plane's gone maybe I figured this shit out well and yeah that's what we're we're going <laughs> off the notion that it would have even mattered if they went down a thousand feet it yeah, might not, no, yeah yeah it might not have mattered at all they, they were screwed either way well, like uh, the Bermuda Triangle stories is, you know, change in air pressure, change in temperature. There could air be... Air pockets. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if there's that much turbulence. There's been a lot of turbulence lately. Like, you hear... <laughs> I hear a lot of... Dude, I do. Politically? Or what no, do you I mean, just, just, yeah, like, I hear about a lot of turbulence stories lately where people are getting really messed up. Like, you know, like, like there are videos of, like, the, the, the food cart flying across the effing plane. 
I'm afraid of flying, so that sounds horrifying to me. Yeah, you hit. I hit some of the worst turbulence coming back from Mexico. Like I was terrified, and there was this little Mexican lady, like like look like right out of a horror film, doing like the the prayer, the, the, the prayer, the cross thing, you know, or the the thing. You See know? that that and, even and, though and it's image, like, even though it's imagery from a horror movie, that wouldn't bother me. I mean, honestly, the shit out of me. Anybody <laughs> anybody wants to pray in any of their religions for a plane going down? That I'm on. Hey, I'll take help from any god you got. I was just like, I saw this one. <laughs> I saw this one. It's a little Mexican lady doing the prayer thing. We're all going to die. You know what? Blame blame directors for using that imagery. Because I say a little Mexican woman praying might be very helpful. I just, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're definitely the perfect foreshadowing. Wait, hold on. You landed. I did land. So okay. there you go. That was the scariest flight I was ever on. No joke. Like, flying to me has never been the same since. It, it messed with me. No, flying is horrifying. And uh, so every time I went back from L.A. to Michigan and back and forth, it I've just never enjoyed it. And it's not even that long of a flight. It's like four and a half or five hours. And it's just... Anything in the U.S. isn't too bad. Well, I mean, I, I guess going to Alaska or... Uh, yeah, that would suck. Puerto Rico or, you know, uh, Hawaii. That might be a thing. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I don't want to get eaten by a polar bear. I'm afraid of polar bears. Especially in Puerto Rico. I'm just saying Puerto Rican polar bears. <laughs> Dude, those guys come with shanks. I watched Lost Man, and I know the tropical islands and they got, they do, they got have face, polar bears. They got face tattoos and stuff like that. They're really scary. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Yeah. Don't You can't stop me. That's for the best. Story six in 1919. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Story. Six, six, six. In 1919, people have observed unusual and bright lights in the sky above the Lake, the Lake Michigan Triangle. They reveal that they have witnessed two large balls of fire fall into Lake Michigan, and the explosion was so powerful that it shook the earth. The New York Times reported it as a huge meteor, but some still perceive this event as paranormal. Many reports of supposed UFO sightings at the same point above Michigan Triangle were reported later by the locals. Interesting. Yeah, that totally does just sound like a meteor, though. It does sound like a meteor. Like a giant ball of fire and a big explosion. The question is, uh, and it's, it might be a stupid question, but if a meteor hits the water, is it does it make less sound than hitting land? Or is it just the breaking through the atmosphere that it makes the loud sound? I'd ask the dinosaurs, but they're dead. That thing crash-landed in the Gulf of Mexico. I'll yeah. bet it was pretty effing loud. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I really wanted to go on this whole big tangent with dinosaurs, so I will. What if they're still alive, and we either went off in spaceships or went down underground, and right now there's lizard people right below us? Oh, shit. They actually do have a lot of lizard people uh, mythology, so we could actually go with this. Yeah, we could talk about that next week. All right. So, the reptilians... Do, now, 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 yeah, do they control stingrays? Did Steve Irwin know? <laughs> All jokes aside, though, if you want to talk about the reptilians, which is a real supposed alien race, ah, we could jump down that rabbit hole next week. I, I would like to, because honestly, they're like, you know, I just watched Secret Invasion, and that was very reptilian kind of style thing there going, and uh, it was okay. If you want to get more of, like, a vibe of, like, what the supposed reptilians actually are about, uh, watch V. What was, what was it? V. 
V. Yeah, there's V. There's uh, a year later. There's V Final Battle, and then after that, there is a V miniseries. Now, really, you just need to watch the first one. Now, they're they're three part, I believe, maybe two part miniseries. They came out in the early '80s. Uh, Freddy Krueger, Robert England stars in in them. It's anyways. The point is, it's all about the reptilian aliens and what they could do if they came here, offering peace in the olive branch and technology and advances in helping humanity. When really they just want us for food. That's right. It's humans. Num 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 num. I anyways. I like the I like the theory that the moon is their spaceship. Okay, I've, I, heard, I've that. heard that. I've yeah. also heard that it it it's dead. Like it's like uh like a jo- like a Death Star. But if we went up there, just alien skeletons, you know. Because when they landed the moon uh, lander, apparently it rang like a bell, like it was hollow. Yeah, they said it reverberated for miles and for like hours, didn't it? Yes. Like, so you know. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. And, 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 going on going on some random tangents on this one. All right, guys, but that is the Michigan Triangle. So if you haven't heard about it, it is so much like the Bermuda Triangle. And there's there's also the Devil's Triangle, I think, which is near Japan. But, uh, yeah, this is a thing. No, and I'm really glad that we covered this. I'm glad that you said something last week because uh, I honestly have never heard these stories. And I love, you know, I'm a Michigander. (laughs) I love all the stories of the Great Lakes. And uh, these are all new to me today. Yeah, and you know what? The point of the triangle is touching Wisconsin, but two of the points are touching Michigan. So, like, our whole West Coast is like, oh, 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 danger zone. We've seen some shit. Well, I mean, not me personally. I really want to go. I have not actually seen anything that I would categorize as uh, an alien or UFO or UMP or, uh, excuse me, UAP or any of that. Like, I want to see. I know you have. Uh, I mean, it's... You called me one time at night. You were like, I saw freaking UFO. It was, it, you know, I'm driving down the freeway, and it, like, from as far as I could see to over my shoulder, just, pew, like, it was so fast that, like, did I really see it? I don't know. But, man, it was, it, it I mean, definitely I, made me sit there and go, what the fuck? Could have been a shooting star. It was during the day. No, this was during the day when it happened. I think it, I think too much time has passed and you're questioning yourself because when you called me that night, you were so sure. It, it Like I said, the main reason I was so sure was I found myself sitting there going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you know what I mean? like It's like, it, it would be something if I was just like, eh, you know, maybe it's just like a floater in my eye or something, but it's like, it, something definitely looked like it just like bullet shot. Like well, it shot past. So yeah. I mean, it is possible. Maybe it was a big bird or a sign or just something. Because it was it out of your your. No, it was like it came eye? from like over from like as far as I could see. So to, you're like, looking straight at over. the horizon. Yeah, from like to up and over my shoulder, just. Pew, like, okay, well I say that counts. That's like because you don't know what it was. So it was a unidentified flying like object. Like fraction of a fraction <laughs> of a second. Like it was so fast. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's it for spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. And uh, so the last two weeks we've been playing a game, which I like to call the sequel game. And uh, Ryan said that he wanted to challenge me to a game. So I said, all right, all right, Ryan, you should make the album game. And he came back to me and he's like, you know what? It's not really an album game anymore. And we're calling it Music Quest. So 
Now we have the sequel game and Music Quest, and we might go back and forth, but here is the first game ever of Music Quest, where Ryan is challenging me. Take it away, bud. It's top of the test. It's Music Quest. Welcome to Music Quest. Let's do this. All right. So I'm going to pretty much uh, kind of keep to what Joe was doing with the sequel game for the most part on the point system. All right, all right, all right. Uh, with this particular game, this first one, it's going to be a short one. Uh, in a possible 25 points, you need 15 to win. All right, excellent. I'm going to start right off with a, uh, a band that uh, me and Joe love dearly. We grew up on them, so I'm going to start with System of a Down. Okay. How many albums do they have? How many studio albums? All together? Yes. Uh, okay, so hold on. Uh, self-titled, which would be uh, System of a Down, right? Uh, right. And then we have Toxicity, right? All right. All right. Uh, we have Hypnotize and Mesmerize, which came out dually. Yep. Uh, I don't, I think it came out before that. We have Steal This Album. Yep. And that is all I know. So after that, I think their next album, wait, hold on. So how many is that? One, two, three. Or five. So they have five that I know of. So I'm going to guess, because so many years have passed, that they have seven. Is that your final answer? Yes. It, ah, what is it? It was five. It was five? They it haven't done, was five. They haven't done any since then? Nope. All right, do I get the bonuses for getting the albums right? So you get a point for each album. So All right. One, two, right. three, four, five points. That was System of a Down, 1998. Toxicity, 2001, a great year. A great year. Steal this album I with an exclamation point. 2002, Mesmerize and Hypnotize, 2005. After that, they've only done a couple singles, and uh, they were doing, uh, you know, uh, side projects. I, I think almost every member had a side project. Oh, my God. All right. Well, could I tell you what my hypothetical sixth album would have been? System of Down, colon, politics. Wah. Uh, <laughs> wah. In your new album, in your new album, wait. <laughs> all, all right, all right. So bonus what? round. Bonus round. Name one of the vocalist Surge's side project. Obviously, the band Surge doesn't count. Okay. Um, I'll give you a hint. There are two all right. that he's done, and only one remains active. Okay. So I'm pretty sure. He moved down to Long Beach and has been doing sandcastle competitions with uh, unfortunate orphans, and it's to raise money for puppy cancer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All Final right. answer. Well, <laughs> well that's, that does not count. No, that's my answer. But I will go ahead and tell you that uh, the non-active band is called Sir Art. I would have never known that. And then the one that is apparently is still active, which I've never even heard of until this point, is Axis of Justice. There's no freaking way. But Axis of Justice is a very system of a down title. But all right, out of uh, <laughs> out of 10 points plus uh, a possibility for two extra bonus points, you got five. All right. I, I'll take that. I See, don't know anything about music. I was going to so. say, so, so this is going, going pretty well so far. All right. All right. All right. Now it's time for a little bit of a uh, like I said, this is why this is Music Quest. This is a little bit of a zinger here. All right. Name the band that played, quote, the Cantina song in Star Wars, A New Hope. What is the name of the band? It's They have a name in canon. What is the name of the band 
that, that yeah, 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 yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. Okay. Well, the Max Rebo band was in Return of the Jedi. I know that. Uh, and I don't think it's the same band. I, I give up. I really, I got nothing, man. Because I know what they you, are. They're... You want to wager a guess? <laughs> the Cantina Band. All right, far enough. The Cantina Band, that is wrong. The name of the uh, band that played the Cantina song is Figrin Dan and the Modal Nodes. I would... That's some expanded universe craziness. All right, now for a... No, hold on. Where is that information found? It, 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 actually, believe it or not, I've heard that name for a very long time. All right. I knew that name. I, that's one that I knew. All right, that's okay. So here's a bonus question for this for this round. All right. Name the song. What is the actual name of the Cantina song? It has a name. And yes, <laughs> it's in the script. <laughs> it's, this is back to the movie. This was... It had yeah, a name. I believe you. I believe you. Um, I think it was, I believe it was try some blue milk, try some blue milk. It's pretty good. Uh, everybody really likes it. I was going to say try some be... blue milk. It's pretty good. Uh, you should really try it. Dude, Luke Skywalker definitely knew that. Did he? I For know. Sure. He knew that jingle. All right. All right. But no, that was wrong. It is called mad about me. Mad about me. Okay. So to be fair, there is a short story that I read once and it was like, it was definitely a short story and it covered the name of that band and that song. So I think that's what you're quoting. From. Probably. Yeah. All right, so next question. Name the Jabba's Palace Band. Max Rebo. Her, uh, we will accept that. It was the Max Rebo Band I, is oh, the full name. To be fair, I did say it last question. So, yes, Max Rebo Band. So we will give you that. Good job. Uh, bonus, what is the name of the song in the original trilogy and what is the name of the new song from the special edition? Because as we all know, it became something insanely different. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I don't know either of those. Like that's why these are bonus. That questions. is that is a deep cut, man. That's why these are bonus questions. All right, so uh, I know when they did the special edition, they got that weird furry puppet yeah. guy that's CJ. Who got Kaba? 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 Do Bashi? So yeah, I mean, I know there's a difference, but I don't remember the name of either of those. All right, I'll go ahead and just say it then. The yeah, I would have never known this, but in it, this was literally like I guess this is all scripted. To be fair, man, the questions I asked you, I knew. What are you looking up some obscure stuff for? That's why these are bonus questions. All I'm right, just having all right, some all right, fun. All right. all right, so the original was Lapty Neck, ah, and yes. the new one was Jedi Rocks, and that was the one where you know. Jabba's like, Duda, Duda. He wanted to hear it. Why again. the hell would Jedi Rocks be something Jabba wanted to hear? No idea, but he he loved it. He should be like, yeah. Crime Lords are dope. That's a, his song. All right, moving right along here with the uh, quest game. You got one point there, so now you have a total of six points. Six points. How many do I have to have to win? You need fifteen to win. All right, and how many are uh, how many questions have we got left? We have got dun 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Four more questions. Four more questions. All, All right. right. It, plus bonus. Plus bonus. I think I can do this. That's why I said, like, I, I tried to make this so that, you, I, you know, let's yeah, move yeah. along. All right. All right. So I'm not going to ask for them all. Name three Dropkick Murphy's albums. Just three. Give me three. Um, so I, don't, I got my cheat sheet here. I, I, I got nothing, man. No, I, not one. Come on. No. All right. All right. Um, Dropkick Murphy's. All right. Irish and kicking it. No. Nope. 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 Uh, um, Punk. Nope, nope. Punk, punk Actors Day? Sometimes when St. Punkers Day? Sometimes you drink too much and then you forget. That means you... 
Blackout? Blackout. Ah, Blackout. You really walked me around the block hey, man. for that one. You know, do or... It's just funny, man, because it's like, you're like, oh, man, he loves Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, that's true, man. I thought you'd know three. I, you, you'd think so, but, you know, we went to high school during the era of down, right. downloading right. singles Ooh, and okay. making our own. Okay, well, that's okay. All right. Then how is this? Because yeah. that was only, that was, you know, that could have. All right, so then maybe this bonus round might might help you then. Name as many songs as you can. Each song worth a point. That's Shipping one. off to Boston. Um. <laughs> their their most famous song, of course. Oh man, uh, which came off of the 2005 album "The Warriors Code." Excellent, excellent. So that's oh, one yeah. point. Oh yeah. Uh, oh Ryan, by the way, there's this album I I just remembered, "The Warriors Code." Oh look, there you go. Oh yeah. Oh, genius. you already lost that one. Oh. All right. All right. So come on, chipping off to Boston. Give me another one. Oh man, I do not know. That any, I'm drawing a blank. I gotta be honest. You're uh, the, all right. The You're fields right. of ac, the fields of something with an A. The fields of ang of that, that, that. You know what I'm talking about? The fields of. Uh, I don't know. I believe it's right. All right. So there's that one. Uh, the dirty glass. Perfect. That's the one. All right. Excellent. Um, I love that song. <laughs> and then I gotta say, I gotta say, done because I don't want dead air. You know, all I, right, I don't well, want just then, me sitting uh, here. I'm gonna give you two. I'm going right. to give you two on that, so you got two more points. Excellent. So that brings you to a total of eight points. Eight points. All right, moving right along. This Next. is like the first time you did the sequel game. Is I'm doing terrible. No, it's okay, and that's okay. <laughs> You'll get better. You know what I mean? That's the whole point. Yeah, we, right. yeah the first one's going to be a little rough. All right, next question. I'm what, ready. What two musicians just joined the Star Wars universe? Hint, Mandalorian Season 3, and one of these artists is now in the midst of a bit of controversy. So Jack Black, right? There's that, one. Does that count as a music artist? Completely. He's a Tenacious D. I know Tenacious D. All right, fair enough. I give you one. Is it Lizzo? Lizzo. Lizzo. That's two, that's two more points. All right. Ten points. Good job. Why is she in controversy? Oh, oh man. She got into some, apparently, like, some She's weird... playing grab ass at, at the... I was going to say, yeah, just getting a little bit inappropriate, I think, with her coworkers at, like, a strip club in, like, some foreign country. And uh, a lot of those people came forward and said it was, you know, a tad bit inappropriate. So she's in a bit of trouble. It's kind of rough, though, because, like, you're trying to be funny or trying to be silly, right? And you're always pushing right. the envelope. And then you get to the point where you're famous, so people let you get away with more. And you don't realize you're pushing the envelope more and more and more. And then suddenly you cross the line and you're like, what? It was a normal party. Everyone was hanging out. And they're like, you put your balls on my chin. And I'm like, oh, I guess yeah. I guess I did cross the line. Oh, shit. Just, just you know, just... <laughs> We, we just I mean, like, obviously, I'm kidding. There, you know, no one, no one should behave in these ways. I was just, you know, to play devil's advocate, though. <laughs> I've been around yes men before, and it's really weird because you don't realize, like, oh, they're just agreeing with me. I'm being completely off base here. Yeah, no, nah, like I said, I, I just, I, I use that as like, yeah, a good hint, just because it's like, yeah, I, it, it kind of applies. But all right, of, if you don't mind, I'm gonna move on. To of the course next not. Move here. on. Sure. This is a little bit of a personal one. Uh, this is just for fun here. Uh, the band A Silence. A Silence. Which is my band. How many albums do they have? Uh, one full album and one EP. I'll go ahead and count that. I'll count it as two. So two works. Can you name them? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's say... I can name some songs, man. 
All right, that's uh, fine. So if you want to skip the albums, that was the bonus round. Name any song. Uh, Arrows for Christ. That's one. Yes. Nailed it. I feel like I'm going to. All right. All right. So now you've got. Uh, so that was. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Name your albums. All right. I know one was like Fiery Castle in the background. And one of them was Guy with Gas Mask Dealing with a Polluted Fucking River. Yep. Um, ecology. Something of man. Ecology of man. Ooh, you're so close. Oh, man. It's a word that I don't remember. So of something that starts with an E of man is the best you're going to get uh, from me. I don't think we can give it to you. No? I don't think so. All right. All right. Well, then I, don't, I won't take it, but tell me what it is. Eulogy. Eulogy? Eulogy of man. All right. All right. You were close, right. but all I right. couldn't give it to you. Fair enough. All right. Okay. So uh, now looks to me like you've got, if uh, I have to tally all this up. Tallying up the numbers. See if Joe won the silly game. I think you got 12 points. Nice, but I still lost that. Yeah. Right? Because I have to eat 15. That's right. You know, that game was really hard, man. All right. Now, here we go. What? The singer of the band Korn is featured throughout the film of what? 2002. Queen of the Dam. Nice. Yeah, it's a movie. I know. I, you want to do movie trivia? I could win that game. What's his name? Jonathan Davis. Nice. All right. Actually, that if that were it. You just won. I think that brings you to 16. No, 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 because those were only two questions, and I had 12. I'm almost certain that I counted 12 wrong. I think you were at 13. All right. Well, Ryan says I won that. He won. 15 Huzzah! points. Yes. Good yes. job. Good job, Joe. Yay! So that was the first rendition of Music Quest. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm gonna. We're going to get better at this, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, the sequel game worked out really well the second time. So I feel like Music Quest the second time will get real, out really well as well. But did you like how I kind of, like I said, it wasn't just straight up like Yeah, yeah, I can see. Yeah, I, I you don't want to call it the album game because the music is going to cover other things. And I'll tell you, yeah. if you connect these music questions with movies and TV shows, I'll be way that, better at it. That's what you saw, so that's what I was trying to do. All uh, right, yeah. all right, fair yeah. enough. Hey guys, we're about to do a full spoiler discussion on the film No One Will Save You. If you don't want it spoiled, then skip to the 47 minute mark. That's where we start our headlines. Spoiler talk. We are going to now talk about the movie No One Will Save You. All right, guys. So this movie came out uh, September 22nd, and it is a Hulu original movie, but it was created by 20th Century Studios. For anyone who's paying attention, 20th Century Studios, formerly 20th Century Fox, is now owned by Disney. While Hulu is also uh, owned by Disney by a, what, a, major a majority shareholder. So, Disney made this movie. And it is about gray aliens. And I just thought that was great. Because it is like, you're wondering what it kind of gray aliens we're talking about. But they, they don't actually have a different take on it. They are gray aliens. Now, they do some fun stuff. There's some uh, the really kind of cool squiddy-like toes that can kind of independently lift up on their tippy toes, and they kind of look like, you know, weird little tentacles. They, use, were, they use the force. They use the force. They all do have telekinesis, but gray aliens usually have telekinesis. I highly do recommend this movie. Um, I also liked how in this film they, uh, they showed the Mantis version of the gray aliens which a lot of abductee reports say that after they were abducted on the ship, they saw a more mantis-like gray. So you know the writer-director did his research on aliens. It, and you know what? It shows. He's also did a film called Love and Monsters, which is really cool. I love that one too. 
And the whole point of this movie is following one character, one girl, as she's dealing with an alien abduction scenario. And what I thought was great is there is no dialogue except one line in this entire movie, which, you know, from a... (laughs) From a business standpoint, means you could sell it overseas to anyone, which is a really great idea. But from an artistic standpoint, man, it is a perfect example of showing, not telling, which is what they always tried to say in film school. I had one teacher in particular is show, don't tell, don't monologue, show us. And uh, they did that. What were your feelings, Ryan? Uh, And I like that they really attempted to give you like kind of like the uncomfortable horror atmosphere because we know something's wrong in this girl's life. Like we know something is immensely wrong. She's writing letters saying, I'm sorry. And all these things to someone. And then, and then we go to a scene with her, like sitting at her mother's grave. It's like, okay, so we know your mom died. And then she gets, yeah, they fake you out though. Cause you think like, does this have to do with the mom? Right. It's like, but you could tell, but she keeps writing. I'm sorry. So it has you wondering like what happened? Like what, why is this, why is this girl going through so much shit? And like, she even like, then when the alien comes, when the gray comes, they also showed what happens with EMP where like literally the car wouldn't work. The lights wouldn't work. That didn't matter. The fuses, the fuse box in the house, nothing worked. Sure. Sure. But to go back to what you were saying is, uh, so she is writing in a diary explaining like, you know, I'm sorry. She's saying to this, you know, the girl, like, I'm really sorry. And you come to find out through photos that it was her best friend from when she was 12 years old. And uh, in the film, like Ryan was saying, when the EMP happens and she's trying to find help, she goes into town to talk to the police and she runs into the parents of this girl and the parents spit in her face. And you're just like, you know, something happened. And we know that these are the parents because she had seen them earlier in the film. And when she goes back to her diary or the letters or whatever she was writing, she wrote, you know, I saw your parents parents today. today. Yes. And this girl's name is Maud. So this goes along with what Joe was saying earlier with there's really there's no dialogue in this film. So you have to piece it together. This is a film you really have to watch. Well, there is one piece of dialogue in the film. We'll get to that. Right, right. So anyways, as we're finding out about this girl, she's dealing with an alien abduction. Now, aliens show up and she fights the first one off. And somehow through, uh, you know, fighting through telekinesis and hiding a really fun hide and seek tense moment, she manages to stab it right in the head like it was its own fault it spun her into it yeah she just happened to have this thing in her hand and just stuck right into its skull yeah and it dies and that's like the 30 minute mark of this film and you're like oh no so the rest of the film is kind of like the aliens just keep trying to get her and she keeps just somehow managing to escape them she was a very good final girl for sure yeah she was a very good only girl right yeah and and in in it's so the the film was just because of the way it was done with no dialogue, it really was weird, it, but it was really cool. And then, yeah, so now you've got these. She's uh, she's r- going down, and you see all the neighbors getting slowly weirded out, and yep. you see abduction marks in the grass. They're like these burnt circles in and the grass. And then you see these squiggly things in their throats, which is like, what the F is that? Yes, because she's first confronted on the bus uh, after killing the alien by what you imagine is another alien in a human disguise. And you can see, like he said, these tendrils like moving under the skin of the neck. So that's how you could identify them. And uh, so she's getting chased by them and she makes it back to her house and more alien abductions ensues. And she's able to kill a mantis one because she she. He, she has it follow her into the car, it gets stuck, and then she lights that thing on fire. Yeah, and then the car explodes. I mean, like we said, it, it, the whole thing is an action scene of her evading 
all these alien tropes and it is it is so much fun like it was got, a good film yeah the the actual ufo kind of seems like a speaker and it like vibrates like a speaker would and the aliens are talking back to it and uh eventually she's taken up onto the ship yep and when she's onto the ship she actually they show an alien hack up this kind of ball with these tendrils on it and then he puts it into her mouth and then she kind of has a fantasy right and in the fantasy among many other things, we see what happened. And she accidentally kills her friend at 12 years old, who's named Maud, by them just having a fight. And, you know, kids don't regulate their emotions dumb, well. It was an accident. Yeah. She swung a rock and hit her. But, I mean, it, she wasn't trying to kill her. It was just kind of something that happens. It could happen to anybody when they're a kid. Yeah. So uh, we find out why that happened. And she says the only line that she says in the film is, I'm sorry, Maud. And you're like, ah. And then, the, well, hold on. She does escape from the aliens, yeah. and she's back in her her house. Yeah, and and now she comes out, and this is the end, right? Yeah, this is the end. And so, the audience is left pretty. You know, we we there's really no per- exact answers. Is she still possessed or whatever? Is she dreaming? Is this real? Well, well she, she, they do show her cough out the thing, but did she actually? She cough reached out? down her throat and to pulled pull it, it out. out yeah, yeah, man. It's, yeah. It's Dude, intense. she's resilient as shit. Like, and then, then yeah, so she pulls it out and like, you get this weird feeling like the aliens were kind of like, huh, yeah, huh, huh, all right. Huh. It's like, you know, you go fishing and you catch this really big fish and you're like, all right, maybe we throw this one back. And so that was, yeah, that exactly. That was like the kind of the feeling you get. So she goes back down, you know, she's obviously traumatized as shit. She gets herself uh, cleaned off because she realizes, oh, my head's bleeding. So she like cleans herself off, you know, or whatever. And she gets out. And now she starts dancing with all of her neighbors. Yeah, so this is the weird ending. Now, yeah. basically, it seems like the aliens have decided to leave her alone, but all the neighbors and everybody who was abducted and has the tendrils in their throat and are basically either controlled by the aliens or become greys. Like, I, that's what I was kind of wondering. Like, if that thing goes in your throat, do you slowly become a grey? Because that kind of was a weird thing I was getting, but I was making that up in my own head. Like, as a screenwriter, that's what I would do. I think it's just a parasitic thing. Well, in any case, it seems like the aliens were just like, all right, let bygones be bygones. And she's like, okay, cool. And then she's just gleefully dancing at like this hoedown with all of her neighbors who are all clearly possessed by aliens. And then you look up in the sky and there's a bunch of alien UFOs. Yep. That was the coolest part. And then it's in credits. Yeah. And there, yeah, a bunch of UFOs everywhere. And Weirdest you see this, yeah. ending in the world. But it, it, well, the whole thing is, you know, and that's why I say it really touches on that really awkward, intense horror, that really weird atmospheric horror, where when she was out in town, she felt completely alienated from everybody back then. But now that everybody's are aliens, she feels like she actually, you know, yeah, because she be was, she was alienated because of what right. happened with her friend, the whole thing. Oh, right. That's a fun take. So the film is no one will save you. <laughs> no one will save you. I like that. Yeah, me too. So uh, I, I thought it was a great film and I highly recommend it, especially if you're into UFOs, aliens and ufology in general. It is a fantastic movie. Uh, check it out. Definitely, so, definitely a weird one, but yeah, definitely a good one. Earthling Entertainment Headlines. The Hollywood Writers' Strike officially ends today. This comes to us from IGN.com. The historic five-month strike of Hollywood's writers is now officially approaching its end. 
The Writers Guild of America announced that after reaching a tentative deal with Hollywood Studios on Sunday evening, the WGA negotiating committee, the WGAW board, and the WGAE council all voted unanimously to recommend the agreement. The strike will end at 12.01 a.m. on sun- on Wednesday. Today. Uh, Pacific time. Today. Yes. While the agreement will now go to the WGA's membership to vote and accept, they're free to go back to work in the ratification process. Returning to work will not affect their right to make a final determination on contract approval, the Guild said today. It's a major move, with tonight's vote bringing to an end the 148-day work stoppage that was quickly approaching the distinction of the longest WGA strike in history, which was in 1988, walkout holds onto that title with 154 days. It only marks the end of one major media strike, however, as the Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, SAG-AFTRA, remains on the picket lines. Yep, two different unions. This means that while the work of writing and developing film and television can now commence, production is still largely halted while actors are still on strike. Still, today's announcement will likely break the dam on a number of major development announcements, revving up Hollywood once again. The various shows and movies that have halted development, The Last of Us Season 2, to the upcoming... Great show, great show. Oh, yeah, I love that. To the upcoming uh, slate of MCU movies can continue work on their scripts as of tomorrow. Nice. The WGA also revealed the terms won in their negotiations with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, posting a summary on their website. It's a lot to dissect, but among the biggest terms items are restrictions against the use of artificial intelligence, transparency on streaming viewership numbers, and improvements in staffing and duration of TV writers' rooms. When it comes to AI in particular, also a massive subject in the SAG after strike, The agreement dictates that AI technology can't write or rewrite literary material and AI-generated material will not be considered source material under the MBA, meaning that AI-generated material can't be used to undermine a writer's credit or separated rights. While a writer can choose to use AI in the writing process, a company cannot force them to. Yeah, which the AI stuff personally was what I really didn't like. So I'm really glad they came to an agreement. I I uh, I like a lot of it. There's still a few tweaks I personally would want. But, you know, any negotiation is everybody is a little unhappy and a little happy. I mean, every good negotiation at least. You know, it's given the give and take is is yeah. That that's what took so long. Yeah, all right. Uh okay. Streaming payment 2 will function differently under the new contract with the studios agreeing to provide the Guild the total number of hours streamed, both domestically and internationally, of self-produced, high-budget streaming programs, uh, like a Netflix original series, under a confidentiality agreement. The agreement also includes pay increases for projects that hit a certain viewership threshold. Other major items include annual minimum pay increases, uh, increased health and pension contribution rate, which is always important, and increased compensation for TV series employment, 
Should this new minimum basic agreement be ratified by the members, it will last through May 1st of 2026. Yep, it's only three years. I don't know how uh, normal that is, but three years seemed a little short for me. So, yeah. that uh, There's a lot of really, really, really good stuff here. And um, so, basically... Yeah, no, it's it's such a good thing. Like, uh, congratulations to all the writers on uh, winning their fight because uh, I've definitely been rooting for them. And uh, let's face it, you know, everything, you know, we 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 uh, we depend uh, on these people for our entertainment, for for our daily lives. It ma- makes our lives better. It's important, and uh, it's a great win, and we're glad. But we also need to stand in solidarity to the uh, SAG-AFTRA, who are still on strike, and actually just today. Uh, or at least I should say this week, agreed, uh, authorized a strike against video game companies. So their fight is far from over. They're about to start, you know, stopping the whole video games uh, industry now. But I honestly don't know how much of that we're going to notice because video games take years upon years to develop. So if video games delayed six months, that's just kind of normal. I was going to say, we still got to wait like another 30 years until we get a new Elder Scrolls. Well, because stupid Bethesda was bought by Microsoft, I don't get to play Fallout 5, which is freaking awesome, because I am a, I am a PlayStation man, and my God, I, that is a cross I will die on. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I just, I want, yeah, I want new Fallout, I want new Elder Scrolls, give it to me, give it to me. I'm not, I, I don't know if I'm going to play uh, this other game that they got going, I forget, uh, Starfield. I want to play it. I want to play know. Starfield, that I am super jelly of Starfield. It does look good. I do want to try it. It was described to me as Fallout in space. Me too. All right. So, uh, after- talking about video games. Yeah, talking about video games. What? What else, Ryan? Final Fantasy. I am an idiot, and I don't know Roman numerals. Let me see. Whichever one that is. <laughs> Final Fantasy. It looks like fourteen. Oh, yep. See, I wouldn't have got that at all. Yep. <laughs> it's like, a, yeah, I'll just tell you that XIV, tabletop RPG coming in 2024. This comes to us from Nerdist.com. Final Fantasy fourteen apparently, is already a hugely popular multiplayer online game, and now it's headed to the table. Square Enix has announced the Final Fantasy fourteen tabletop role-playing set for next spring. They're gearing this transition to tabletop role-playing towards RPG newcomers with a comprehensive starter set that has everything you could need to run the game or explore the world of Yorzia as a an adventurous player. Yes, yes. The Final Fantasy XIV TTRPG starter set comes with a player book, a game master book that has three ready-to-go pre-made scenarios, pre-made character sheets, custom dice, an encounter map, and more. You can see many of the elements in the below image. It is a very nice image here. Oh, yeah, very good image. The you pre- guys should all look at the image right now. Yes. Ready? Go. Go. The pre-written right. <laughs> scenarios connect the Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV's uh, main story to make you feel even more a part of the world. Square Enix recommends five players, though as few as three could join the gaming party. With four character sheets for Warrior, White Mage, oh, oh, Dragoon and Black Mage. Already available. Jumping in should be straightforward. The play system isn't clear, though. The starter set's custom dice are 6 D20s and 10 D6s. So the system is likely a custom one. Interesting. Well, that actually makes sense because, like, uh, 
I don't know. D&D has like their set of dice. Everyone has their set of dice. But I, I just don't know if the role-playing, making a role-playing game based on a game or a property in general, they never last very long. Like, I rem- Firefly is a great sci-fi show from the early 2000s. They had a movie, Serenity. A lot of people know them. Brown Coats Forever. They have a board game. They have all this good stuff. But their role-playing game is I just how many people are playing that. It's just so niche. And I know... There, there was a Star Wars role-playing game that was like D&D, and we actually played a few campaigns. I know you more than me. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but uh, that was, you know... Except we had a, a, let's call him a D&D master who didn't want anyone to play as a Jedi, which was kind of lame, because yeah. that was the whole point. Yeah. I get that not everyone can be a Jedi, but, like, he didn't want anyone to be a Jedi. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's definitely, I don't know, I've never found a group that ever was able to stick around but uh, like, yeah, doing these. This sounds like a. If you're a diehard fan, you're probably gonna buy this because I know Final Fantasy has a ton of fans. Oh yeah, in Final Fantasy 14, it, it would be like if they made a World of Warcraft uh, tabletop game. That's really what it is because uh, the on the online MMO is. I mean, obviously not as popular as Warcraft, but it's huge. It's a big deal. Yeah, and you know me, I I've never had a PlayStation, so I never really got the chance to play any Final Fantasy. But I I know that it's beloved. It's basically like, it's like turnstile based, kind of like Pokemon, but it's very different. Well, no, the old ones were turnstile based. They probably stopped that around 10. But basically, you get the idea. You get your adventurers. They're on a quest. Each uh, installment of the game, with the exception of direct sequels, are uh, standalone stories that have nothing to do with each other. Uh, From what I am told, there are three basic rules for Final Fantasy. And that's, one, it is not on Earth. Two, holy like holy like you know whatever religion it is holy saves everything and uh three true love dies and that is in each game that is that is the common themes as long with names like there's there's a sid in almost every final fantasy game uh a few fun little things like that well yeah i mean honestly and this sounds cool because it's like it's like it said it's it's got everything you need you could jump right in it's a chance for beginners to kind of be able to be, you know, be able to kind of do the D and D style thing that, you know, and it is exciting, you know, being able to toss the dice and to, oh, yeah. to role play. It's fun. I so. love that. You know, and it's, you got to wonder though, how long it'll last. Cause you know, there's a fallout tabletop game. Does anyone play that? Maybe we just don't have the right gaming circles. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. All right. You want to do uh, our third headline of the day? I, I do. This one sounds funny. Uh, this definitely is uh we grew up on, on this franchise, so here we go. Yeah, Shrek. prepare to have your giggle muscle wiggled. Shrek, Shrek's <laughs> Swamp is now, a good God, is now a screen-accurate Airbnb. This comes to us from Nerdist.com. We've seen some awesome, nerdy Airbnbs in our day. We've seen a few that look like hobbit holes and some that emulate the Haunted Mansion or Scooby's Mystery Machine. But this Airbnb, based on Shrek, on the Shrek franchise, just might beat them all. Located in Scotland's Highlands, this is a perfect replica of the home of everyone's favorite green ogre. It makes sense that it would be in Scotland's Highlands. That feels like far, far away to me. Well, yeah, and he and he and he does his, you know, his, his Scottish accent, Scottish yeah, yeah, accent yeah, yeah. That, that he does, which I think is probably yeah, low hanging fruit. It's yeah. probably atrocious, you know. <laughs> like we're just so American, we're like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's good. That's a good Scottish accent. Shrek Swamp is available for one weekend only, October 27th through 29th of this year for $0? 
Zero dollars. It's free. We're guessing Shrek is on vacay that weekend. Bookings open on October 13th at 6 p.m. So whoever wants to stay there, we wish that the keyboard gods look kindly upon you because that's going to go quick. I think it's like an auction, maybe? Sounds about right. I wonder if... I mean, zero dollars. I mean, I'm just... I I don't know. Keep reading. I don't know. Shrek himself won't be home, but it appears by the listing that Donkey will greet visitors. This house features everything you'd want from the Shrek Swamp's house that you saw in the movies. All right, so what do you think they're going to do? do? Is there going to be an actual donkey? Are they going to have, like, a puppet tier, or are they going to have a costume, or is Eddie Murphy going to be sitting there eating a carrot? I'm going <laughs> to go with a real donkey. I'll bet they're going to have a real donkey there that's going to be named Donkey. <laughs> Some guy standing behind it with a boombox. Like, like. I can't even do it. I was going to do a Scottish accent, but I, I knew I was about to butcher it. Like, pet my fucking donkey. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. All right. It's got a dirt floor, a wood bed, and a dinner table with a candle designed to mimic the earwax candle. The adherence to Shrek details extends beyond the immediate interiors and exteriors of the house with the beware of ogre, stay out signs outside. Luckily, the house has an actual working toilet with a sink, so you won't be forced to use the outhouse like Shrek did in the movies. I don't know, man. Why don't you just have the outhouse, but just make it indoor plumbing? Just have, like, you have to go out of the Airbnb, go to the little outhouse, and, you know, it'll still be indoor. But, like, I, th- they said it was authentic. I call shenanigans. And they could, like, set up the door so when you open it, it just goes... Body once told me the world <laughs> is gonna roll me. But then you gotta pay for music rights. So that's a whole new mess, bud. Yeah, and he just died too, R.I.P. So I'm sure that would be some shit. Sure. All right. Uh, the uh, No one needs that level of sticking to the Shrek canon as using the outhouse. So who actually owns this property? All we know is that the Adver- Adveriki estate owns it. We don't know why they built it, as it doesn't seem to be permanently meant for Airbnb. <laughs> just some insane kid. And they're just like, oh, God, make him happy. Build the shit. We'll, write, we'll do an Airbnb. It'll be a write-off. Do the roar. <laughs> do the roar. Do the roar. Do the roar. <laughs> Maybe they're just the world's biggest fans of the kingdom of Far, Far Away and wanted a little slice of it for themselves. The listing for the Shrek house notes that they paid Universal Studios further rights to any characters and similarities to the animated franchise. Airbnb is making a one-time donation to Scotland's Hopscotch Children's Charity as part of this promotion. I was going to say that. I'll bet it's I'll bet it's charity. It's totally charity. But that means if it's only for one weekend and they're just letting somebody stay in it, that means it's a private residence. Like someone built that so they could just straight up live in Shrekland. And they paid for the rights. How... Rich and awesome would it be to do that? To just be like, all right, I love Waterworld. I want to make a giant pool with all these like licensed characters and things from Waterworld. Maybe it's a bad example because Waterworld you probably could get pretty cheap. But I'm just saying. Beeper. I've been <laughs> saving it for special trade. Beeper. Have you ever seen Beeper? Beeper. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. You know, sorry. for all those massive Waterworld fans we have in the audience. Who isn't? Anyways. Uh, but no, uh, that is, uh, that's hilarious, dude. Fuck it. But who is to know what else they're doing? They're only doing the Airbnb for one weekend for charity. Who's to say that they're not renting it out to, like, I don't know, people who want to do fan films? 
or even porn. What if we have like some <laughs> oh my God. porn industry? How much would Vivid pay to do a XXX porn party of Shrek? <laughs> they could. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. You know, get my willy. Like I'm just saying, it could happen. You know, what I'm saying it could happen, and they could just do it under the guise of donations or you know whatever like that. It's okay. Just Greek the sign. <laughs> That's a filmmaking joke. See, I, oh, see, I, oh, yeah. right over my head. Ahsoka, episode seven. Review. All right. So the final segment of our show today is going to be a talk of Ahsoka, Star Wars Ahsoka, episode seven. I like that we also are episode seven. We've been kind of following it like so like like our first Just time. a coincidence. It's people. a coincidence, <laughs> but it's pretty sweet. That's right. Episode seven of Airflag Entertainment coinciding with episode seven of Ahsoka, and we will always remember that now. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. So here we go, guys. Ahsoka, what did you think, Ryan, of uh, this week's episode? All right. I loved it. I love what they're doing. Uh, I love that we got C-3PO back in the beginning because we all thought that his last appearance was going to be in Rise of Skywalker when he looks at the screen and is like, I just want to it's have true. one it, last look at all of my friends. Is and... that Anthony Daniels, though? Yes. It yes, was? I checked. I, I made sure to sit through the credits just, yep, and it's totally him. That's pretty cool. So in the opening scene, before even the credits that pop up that say Ahsoka, we have uh, Hera, and she's basically on trial for going rogue and taking a squadron and basically not following the orders of her superiors, even though she is a general. It's actually this one senator in particular who's being kind of a jerk. Sort of a dick. Yep. So while she's sitting there trying to defend herself, C-3PO kind of busts in and Mon Mothma is like, oh, see, is that C-3PO? Come on in. And C-3PO is sitting there and he's just like, oh, hello. Um, We wanted to tell you that Princess Leia, uh, Senator Organa, she has authorized the mission that Hera did. And uh, that's not true, by the way. Uh, it was re- it was retroactively approved thanks to Princess Leia, but it shut everybody out, uh, shut everybody off. Mon Mothma was like, "Good, good. This is bullshit." But I, I like I, this. I like that we got our first mention of Leia. That's what I was thinking. Okay, why uh, Luke is off doing his Jedi thing? Sure, but the, in Mandalorian, in in all of these, it never occurred to me until right now in this episode that Leia. She should be a functioning part of this republic. Where the hell is she? And Han too, because uh, they 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 should just be, you know. Either way, Kylo is either a baby or he's not born yet. Why are we not seeing any of them? Right. So they should still be very involved. I mean, we could talk about them. We could, you know, have a quick scene where they're walking by in a hallway. Give me freaking something. Like yeah, like totally just do a Deadpool for us, just like a <laughs> shutting door scene. Like yeah, like literally. Like I I don't care, but yeah, I agree. But it's not enough to, you know, bum me out. I get it, because this is Ahsoka. This yeah. is about Ahsoka. So after that meeting, Hera is off the hook, and then the, the title pops up, Ahsoka. Da, 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 da. Which Maybe. I do, I actually do like her, her theme music. It's grown on me. Absolutely. So now we have Ahsoka and Hu Yan, which is the... Uh, the Hu Yang, Hu, sorry. Excuse me, Hu Yang, which is her droid. Uh, and they are flying into the, you know, new galaxy. And Hu Yang is like, hey... Uh, all my sensors say that we're slowing down, so I think the Pergil are about to get us to uh, the planet. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, cool. We'll see Sabine soon. And he's like, actually, 
the chances of us being the same universe, the same galaxy, the same planet, the same anything is slim to none. And she's like, I think our chances are good. And he's like, no, they are not good. I love that actor. But no, and what was really cool is we got another little bit of Hayden Christensen as Anakin in a hologram that uh, apparently Ahsoka said he left like 20 or more of them for her with these like little training exercises. Great excuse to get Hayden Christensen in more episodes. I- I'm all about it. Keep it up. I love it. And it was really cool because Hu Yang got to see that and he was like, I, I had no idea, you know, that that Anakin was such a devoted master to her that he even left these things for her to practice. Here's here's a bunch of tapes so I could retroactively be in association with you. Uh, and I honestly I love the the de aging CGI they do. It doesn't bother me. I think that they did a great job. I get it. I understand why they did it. Honestly, I appreciate it, and I think they should do it as much as they want to in Star Wars. As long as the actors whose likeness they're doing are cool with it, Agreed. I I say do as much as you want. So all right, so. so yeah. Okay, well, so, so what's what's next then is uh, they they arrive. Uh, meanwhile, Thrawn is there and he's like he, he's like who is this and it's like oh ahsoka here's everything we know from the old you know republic records and he's like oh whoa sure her master was anakin yeah. oh, okay if the space whales show up you just shoot them so they arrive to madness they have the whole thing with like space mines like a whole minefield so they're getting they're getting the crap kicked out of them the purgle take off so the Purgle now pretty much light jumped away from the danger. Keep in mind, Ahsoka and Hu Yang got out. Uh, they're still yeah. in their spaceship, but they got out of the Purgle's mouth. Yeah, he opened his mouth, let them out. And uh, so now they're, you know, they get out of the minefield and they find, you know, the the hyper, the gigantic hyperspace ring that they were chasing after. And it deploys a few fighters. So now they are forced to run from them. In kind of a similar thing that Han Solo did by going into the asteroid field, she goes into the debris of all the uh, the Purgle bones. Classic Star Wars. And I really do like the Purgle bone graveyard. I'm glad we got to see more of it. Yeah. So he, you know, so obviously at this point, uh, he's not too, uh, Thrawn calls off the fighters. Uh, I think he lost one, one hit some debris. And now Huyang and Ahsoka are kind of hiding uh, in this debris. And then we get to jump down now, and we get a little bit of a scene with uh, uh, Balin Skull and uh, Shin Hati, where he reveals that he's not going with her. No, no, he's 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 got his own agenda. Yep, and he gives her one final lesson. The, the, I'm going to butcher it, but it was basically saying, like, hurrying into battle will guarantee defeat. Uh, no, it was uh, hurrying to victory. That was it. That hurrying was it. to victory will guarantee defeat and and so she takes off and he says go go kill them and join your place in this new empire which i thought was interesting because he said to her before when she was like oh isn't that going to give us power when we get there he's like that kind of power is fleeting but but he says he's like you're but that's his journey he's got his plan of what he's going to do he was saying to her like you find your place which is kind of the whole theme of the show because that's what ahsoka has to learn with sabine is like Sabine has to find her place, and I mean, is she going to be a gray Jedi? I don't know. She's very mildly force and, sensitive. And he said, "Your ambition is leading you to one point that I'm not going." Yeah, basically is what. So he's allowing his apprentice to kind of chase her ambitions, but he gave her word of warning, you know, as she went, and basically that was it. That that as far as we know, and uh, what I like, I uh, I saw a fan. 
zoomed in on his belt. And you can see on his belt buckle, on Balin Skull's belt buckle, what looks to be a green kyber crystal. So probably his original Jedi crystal he still carries with him. Which is kind of cool, which that means that his red lightsaber may be stolen from a Sith. And orange. He, well, the, I yeah. still think it's orange. It's definitely red. But in <laughs> any case, uh, he didn't bleed his kyber crystal. Right. He. I think. I agree. I honestly think it's either A, synthetic, or B, just a very special rare crystal but the i think it's synthetic because both him and shin hati's lightsaber have that same uh burnt orange glow to it so i suspect that they're both syn- i bet he made them both because you know we, we i don't know-, know have we ever talked about synthetic kyber crystals in star wars before not not in like live canon no all right all right all right or cartoons as far as i can tell but i mean you could kind of think that that must be a thing, right? Because like all the kyber crystals that they needed for the Death Star, and they blew the Death Star. Oh no, Star dude! Up. There's so many. There. Oh no, there's so many lore about where they get all the right, kyber crystals. Right. Anyways, so uh, Balin ev- eventually goes off and he uh, confronts Ahsoka now. Right, because yeah, Ahsoka gets down. They they're able to to land. She leaves Hu Yang with the ship. She hops off, and yeah, now we get this really cool face off. Which, if, if I can, if I have to complain about anything, they're kind of doing the Obi Wan uh, series thing where they keep jumping back and forth between lightsaber battles. You're not like, like you know, instead what I mean? of having like a long sustained battle. Which I get what they're doing, but at the same time, I don't know. I can't help but think that it's a little bit of a uh, like. I'm like, oh yeah, here we go, here we go. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, oh, they're back, they're back. Oh, 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 okay. okay. Yeah, well, it's like, not, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. It's like, it's just, it keeps teasing you. Yeah, it, but, but I love the battle. I love the way Balin Skull fights. He's got this crazy broadsword stance, like this knight stance. I love it. And so I love his style. And, uh, of course, I love what uh, Rosario is doing with the character when it comes to her battles. I do wish that we would see more of, like, episode one, two, and three, like, acrobatics and shit that we used to sure, see. Sure, yeah, like the ballet dance of the lightsaber <coughs> battles. Because those 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 battles are completely untouchable. Oh yeah, they were great. Yeah. But um so after the after the battle. Yeah, so after the battle, so those two yeah, those two go at it and uh you know he's basically like and, and then it was so gangster. He he grabs her hand with the lightsaber he's like you can't defeat me. She's like I don't have to. Hu Yang sweeps in swoops in shoots a bunch of freaking missiles which like disorient the crap out of them she's able to get on the uh on the mountain get the heck away so now she joins the battle with sabine and uh ezra where they are now when we join them you reunited know, again reunited well they were doing really well you know and you know we get this scene of uh sabine being like take your lightsaber and he's like nope i, I have the force i don't need, I need it i haven't had it in years and i gave sh- that lightsaber to you Oh, and we see some brutal force pushes, like, wham! Like, those guys just got annihilated, which so, is brutal. Yeah, so after the battle, they, you know, the good guys win, bad guys are gone, Thrawn's still planning on trying to get out of the universe, and we have uh, Soka and Sabine and Ezra finally together. They have a warm, uh, warm, like, reunion, which is really beautiful. They kicked uh, the crap out of a bunch of night troopers. Oh, yeah, it was great. And then uh, that's the end of the episode, essentially. And, and, and right before... Shin Hati runs off. Ahsoka tells her she can help her. And you can see for a moment Shin considered it. But then she took off. Yeah, Balin's apprentice. Yeah, yeah. So she took off 
And uh, yeah, that so that's where. And you know, yeah, we get this big warm thing. Ezra says it finally feels like I'm going home. And uh, but and and Thrawn knows that Balin's skull was not there. Yeah. And here's the thing. The only way, I mean, unless we could just ride Purgle back to the universe. I don't know why they're that worried about leaving. They just go the way you came. I know. If you could talk to Purgle, just go up there and be like, hey, hey, Purgle. Uh, like, like give me another ride? I know last time when you dropped me off, you got shot, but it's fine. Yeah, I was going to say maybe the the trust is a little wavered after, after that. After, yeah, being like, oh, you, you sent us to a fucking minefield. Oh, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. He's just drop you off at this address, pull up in the hood, get shot in the shoulder. Yeah, you guys are freaking awesome. Yeah. Oh, look, a bunch of dead freaking bones from a space whale. I'm just a space whale. There's no problems. Oh, this is great. Thanks. Yeah. yeah go. Yeah. Go. Can't wait for the next one. No problem. <laughs> yeah. The Purgle got the shaft. They definitely did. But thank God for the Purgle. So, yeah. So who knows how they're all going to get back? Because, yep, it, as Thrawn said, the uh, they've lost a lot of time and uh, their their ship is pretty much ready to go almost here so next episode we're gonna figure out next episode is the season finale oh man that is that is that's scary the season finale i'm not happy because like they've just drawn it out so much there's so much to get done in this one well we'll see what happens but uh that is it for us for episode seven of uh earthling entertainment yep so uh have anything else you want to say before we're out bud uh nope i got nothing to say dude this was a great episode thank you guys for listening check us out uh we got ourselves on youtube spotify apple obviously all that fun stuff please share us with your friends and feel free to email us at uh earthling entertainment at gmail.com if you want us to talk about anything or you have any questions uh you could also message us on our facebook uh we'd love to hear from you yep uh so that's that's wonderful uh, i want to say that you guys should tune in to our other podcast, which is uh, Tatter Tales. Tatter Tales is a anthology series, and each episode is a self-contained story. It's kind of horror. It's kind of sci-fi. It's a little bit of comedy. Think of Black Mirror or The Twilight Zone, but in audio drama form. With a little bit of Tales from the Crypt. Oh, totally. And you can find that uh, anywhere you find podcasts. And thanks, yeah, thanks for listening to Earthling Entertainment. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah! <laughs> Radical! <laughs> Earthly Entertainment.